Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Way Church service this morning. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior this morning, above all else, for making this all possible for us by going to the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth. For all who believe in the one and only Son of God, we gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we read it, study it, learn it, and use it and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. parts. We all need each other for this to function properly. I want to welcome everyone personally to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it does not disturb this morning's service? And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Lord even our own, as all of us fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us all here safely. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day to meet our needs, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you take all the bitterness out of our hearts, Lord, and fill it with your unconditional love, Lord, so we can receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning, Lord. And we pray for the people that can't be here, Lord, that we give them the opportunity to watch the live feed it through the internet so they can hear what the Spirit is trying to save the church this morning. And I pray for the people who are sick and suffering, Lord, that you touch their hearts and heal them, Lord, through your Spirit, Lord. And reassure them that you'll be with them always and never leave them nor forsake them. And I pray for our great nation and thank you, Lord, that we can worship you freely here, Lord. And I pray for all the other nations that are going through tyranny and oppression, Lord, that you touch their hearts and their lives and reassure them that this is not our permanent home, Lord. And someday we'll be all home to see be with you, Lord. And I just pray for peace in the world. And I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Okay, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. And we are going to get started.
What a beautiful voice. What a beautiful day. Amen. <laughs> voice of an angel. How's everybody doing this morning? Okay? Good to see everybody. Did I get a smile before I even get started this morning? Come on, let's get a smile out, everybody. All right. We all got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. God is good. He gives a beautiful day, a beautiful church, beautiful people, and a beautiful book, the Bible, to show us how to live down here. So we can have joy and peace through all the storms of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. Amen? We owe it all to him. Okay, we're going to start this morning in Romans chapter 15. We are using the Black Bibles in the pews. We are using the New Living Translation. It's on Romans chapter 15. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into the Scriptures. So please prepare your hearts, clear your minds to receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Amen. Okay. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others. Do what is right and build them up in the Lord. A powerful verse there. We should help others, do what is right, and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. And he's quoting Psalm 69, verse 9. Verse 4. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, verse 5, who gives this patience and encouragement, so now we know that we don't have patience and encouragement within ourselves. It's God who gives it to us. Amen? God gives us patience. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And that's something that um, takes a little time to develop, as we all know. For God's promises to be fulfilled. It's always a good thing to wait on the Lord. We're very impatient in America. We always try to take matters in our own hands when we think the Lord is taking too long to come through. But God is always on time. Always. Look at verse 5. Who gives patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as fitting for followers of Christ. So he's saying we should all get along with each other and live in harmony with each other as fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then, look at verse 6. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Amen. We come into the church. We're all here to accept each other. Everybody's at a different place in their journey. 
We all accept each other where we're at and we let the Holy Spirit do the work in each and every one of us. Our job is to build up and encourage each other, amen? Because the battle gets tough out there. We need each other to build each other up, never to tear each other down, amen? Like the unbelieving world does. Now verse 8, remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And he's quoting Psalms 18 verse 49. In verse 10, in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. Deuteronomy 32, 43. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. Psalm 117, verse 1. In another place, Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne, or the root of Jesse, David was the son of Jesse, will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope in him. Isaiah 11.10 Place our hope in, on him. Verse 13 I pray Listen to this prayer That God The source of hope Will fill you completely with joy and peace Because you trust in him What an awesome prayer that is Listen, listen to this The source of hope Will fill you completely with joy and peace you want joy and peace? We have to what? Trust in Him, in His mighty name, amen? In His word. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? There's no reason that a believer in Jesus Christ should not have confidence in their faith. Because whatever's said in the Bible is true and it belongs to each and every one of us, amen? All we have to do is trust it, believe it, and obey it. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen? All right. Now remember I gave you homework. Does anybody remember? I hope you do. Well, if not, I'm going to go over it with you. Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> I got the marker at the doorway. I'm going to mark each one of you. Pastor. If you, if you read your scriptures this week. <laughs> Alright, we're going to break down Philippians chapter 2 first. By the way, we are doing a study in Philippians on Wednesday nights. So you want to come out and join us. Be happy. You could use the support. Alright. I'm going to read four verses. Okay, listen up. I'm going to read four verses and then I'm going to expand on the four verses. Okay. Okay, hang in there with me. Get an amen over here this morning. Amen. All right, wake up. Here we go. Pay attention. Verse 1, chapter 2, Philippians. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Absolutely. Any comfort from his love? Yes, definitely. Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another, listen, 
loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. One mind is the mind of Christ, and the purpose is what? To glorify God and grow spiritually and bring others into the kingdom. Don't be selfish. Look at verse 3. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. You see, that's why it's so important to grow spiritually. So when you grow spiritually, you put others above yourself so you can glorify God. Amen? That's why it's important. That's what this whole ministry is about. In verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So what the Bible's trying to tell us, to put your spiritual antenna on, God sends you out there. He says, look around you. See if there's somebody out there that you can help. Everybody in the world is in a really bad place right now. Us as Christians can be bright lights out there. Can I get any amen for this? But if we're consumed with ourselves and our agenda, we'll never get to see the people God puts in front of us and offer a living sacrifice to him and saying, yes, Lord, use me. Here I am. But we're always consumed with our own agenda and what I got to get done and what I got to do. But when we come as a Christian, it's supposed to be what we can do for him. He already did everything for us. Heaven is our home guaranteed. We're going every, everything we need has already been done. He's given us the power to do and accomplish his will for each and every one of our lives. The whole thing of this, to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Now let me expand on this now. In verses 1 and 2, Paul is not doubting their Christian faith in these verses. He is reminding them what the result of their faith should be, okay? He is emphasizing that these spiritual experiences should have the result of unity and humility in their lives. They must show Christ's love to other people. They can do this only if they show love to each other. See, that's why it's important to show love to each other in church, so we can show love to the lost and dying world out there. Can I get a big amen for that? Love for each other here. If they are not united, their witness to the world will be weak. See, if we're not united in the spirit, our witness is weak. Together we are strong. There's unity in numbers. Now listen, Paul is already very happy about the Christian's joy, right? But this joy could be even greater for us, okay? He wants to hear that they are living at peace with each other. Then his joy will be even greater. There's nothing more than a pastor's joy to see the congregation getting along, living in peace with each other, and try to do God's will. There's nothing that makes a pastor more happy to see people getting along. The thing that really gets his sorrow a pastor is see people bickering about each other, talking about each other, running each other down. We're supposed to be here to build each other up and talk good. Not, everybody's got something wrong with them or we wouldn't be in church. Can I get any for this? That's why we're here. We're in a hospital healing from the wounds of our flesh. We come here to walk in the spirit and get a reprieve from all that. And the practicing ground of our faith is right here in the church. If we can't do it here, we're never going to do it out there. Big amen there, right? All right. Now listen up. In verse 3 now. Paul has already written about those who spoke about Christ from selfish ambition. Okay, Christians should desire to bring honor to God and not to themselves. Okay, 
Most people in the world at that time thought that to be humble was to be weak. Paul knew that God is our maker and our savior. So Paul knew that to be humble was the only right attitude for a human being towards God. Paul called himself the worst sinner in 1 Timothy 1.15. Christians must know what they are not good at. Then they will not be too quick to blame other people. They should look for the good qualities in other Christians and they should appreciate their gifts. Everybody in the church has a gift. And if we're working one body with many parts, everybody what glorifies the gifts that each other gives. We don't try, oh, I want that gift and I want that. No, we rejoice in the gifts. He gives all of us gifts. But they're all different gifts. Somebody might have the gift of helps to help others. There might be a gift of encouragement. Not everybody has that gift. You have to understand, we're not to make people uh, look like we, us. We're supposed to bring them to make them look like Christ. We're supposed to bring them to Jesus. Not the way we think things should be. God gives everyone a spiritual gift, and we should rejoice that God has given this church many of them. Can I get a big amen for this? Thank you very much. In verse 4, Christians must not be selfish. I'm going to say it again. Christians should not be selfish. Christians should be selfless. Always thinking about other people over themselves. Okay. I'm going to go into verse 5 through 11 now. Okay. Now, before I go to verse 5, many writers think that these verses were a hymn. Okay. Christians perhaps sang it when they met for the Lord's Supper. Okay. Perhaps Paul himself wrote this. But he used it to support his appeal to the Christians at Philippi. Okay? The verses are a poem in three parts. Christ as God, Christ as man, and Christ in glory. Big amen there, right? All right, verse 5. Everybody there? We're going to read verse 5 through 11. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, or being in the form of God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, or he emptied himself, and he took the humble position of a slave. Think about that, or a form of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form... He humbled himself in obedience to God, okay, and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory to the glory of God the Father. Big amen there, right? All right. Now, I'm going to expand on these now. Is everybody with me? Hey, pay attention. <laughs> That's it. Come on, lighten up. It's okay. God is good. We're here to enjoy ourselves and enjoy the, you know, when, you're, when you're relaxed and everything, you can get the message a lot easier, okay? So loosen up, lighten up. God loves us all. It's all good. Okay, in verse 6, 
Jesus had always been God, okay, even before the beginning of time. We read this in other places in the Bible. Christ existed before anything else existed in Colossians 1.17. It tells us that. Before Abraham was born, I am, in John 8.58, Jesus did not need to seize the same honor as God. It was always by his right. Nor did he try to hold on to the same honor as God. He laid it aside on behalf of all the people. What are we supposed to do as Christians? Lay ourselves aside on the behalf of all the people. We're supposed to imitate him. In verse 7, Jesus gave up his riches in heaven in order to become a servant. He was rich, but he made himself poor to help you. Right? 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Okay? He left his home in heaven, and he had no home on earth that he could call his own. Like it tells us in Luke 9, 58. He gave up the glory that he had with his father. He had that glory with the father before he created the world in John 17, 5. Even angels gave honor to him. Okay? But he became a person to whom people refused to give honor. He became a real man. He was like men in every way except he did not sin. Hebrews 4.15 He became hungry like everybody else in Mark 11.12 He became thirsty in John 4.7 okay? And tired, Luke 8.23 He was very happy, John 15.11 But he also could weep in John 11.35 Jesus said, I am among you as a man who serves Luke 22:27. He became a servant. He even performed a very humble task. What did he do? He washed his disciples' feet in John 13:5. Just imagine the God who created this world washed people's feet. He said, That's the example as a Christian. You want to be on the top? You wash their feet. It's the whole other way around. The pastor doesn't get glorified. The pastor serves you. Can I get a big amen for this? Okay. That's the way it should always be. Okay? His, in John 13, 5. His stay on earth was not permanent. The, world beca the word became human, which was Jesus, and he stayed for a time among us in John 1, 14. So that's why when you said you're going to become like Jesus, how do we become like Jesus? Through the power of the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation is Jesus. You want to become like Jesus? Genesis to Revelation. The, the exact character of God. Big amen there, right? Okay, in verse 8, Paul emphasized that Christ obeyed God even as far as death. Death on a cross was a cruel punishment for slaves and criminals. Jews believed that anyone who died on a cross was beyond God's grace. That's what it tells us in Deuteronomy 21, 23. Therefore, it was hard for Jews to believe that Christ's death on the cross was on behalf of all people, like it tells us in Galatians 3, 13. Nobody can explain how Jesus can be both God and man. Okay? The mystery of God's great love and Jesus' great sacrifice can only cause us to worship. Big amen there. And as Paul hoped for the Christians at Philippi, it can cause a humble attitude towards other people. In verse 9, God raised Jesus from death to be with him in the highest place of honor. 
The name higher than any other name that God gave him was Lord. The Greek word Kyrios means master or owner. Okay? It became an official word for the Roman emperors. Jesus is the master of all lives. Big amen there, right? He is the king, greater than any king on earth. All right? Hebrew, the word of God. Christians can therefore use God's name for Jesus. In that way, they show that he was God. He has God's power and authority. And guess what? We have God's power and we have God's authority as Christians. How about a big amen there? That is not a feeling, by the way. It is a fact. Do not run off your emotions. The devil will have a field day with you. You run off the facts of the word of God. He's given us all the power to do what pleases him. Amen? He had that power through the Holy Spirit. Are we with me so far here? Okay. Jesus Christ is Lord is the earliest statement of what Christians believe. You killed this Jesus on a cross, but God has made him both Lord and Christ, like it tells us in Acts 2.36. Okay, in verses 10 and 11, in Isaiah's message, God declared, everyone will kneel in front of me. Isaiah 45.23. God gave the same right to Jesus. When he comes again, all created beings will worship the power and majesty of Jesus. Those in heaven are angels and wicked spiritual beings, like it tells in Ephesians 6.12. Those on earth will be those still alive when Christ returns. Those beneath the earth may mean the dead people. Paul is saying every being that there is, when people give honor to Jesus, they will be giving honor to God the Father. Big amen there, right? Okay, Paul urges the Christians at Philippi to work with God to complete their salvation. Now we're going to go into verses 12 and 13. Now you read, stay with me now. Is everybody still with me here? All right, good. Pay attention. I spent a lot of time to get this ready. <laughs> For your benefit. For your glory. So you can get a good understanding of this. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Nothing good in me, trust me. Okay, in verse 12, Apostle Paul, speaking to the Philippians, Dear friends, now he's speaking to us. You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. In verse 13, it tells us, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Big amen there, right? God is working in each and every one of us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him, not yourself. The power comes from him. Why does he say you're going to work hard for your salvation? Because people cannot see spirituality. They can only see your actions because of it. The fruit of your salvation, the way you act, the way you speak, the way you carry yourself is what the unbelieving people see. They don't see maturity. 
They see what comes out of your mouth. Says what's in your heart, the Bible says. All right, now listen up. In verse 12, Paul is no longer with them in this when he's saying this. So the Christians at Philippi must trust and obey God, he was telling them. Paul was away from them in prison, and his future was not certain. Okay? He gave this command to obey to his dear friends. They must obey God always, so they must understand and realize their own sin and weaknesses. They must have a true sense of the majesty and character of God. As Jesus obeyed God right to the end, okay, so they must, so must they, so must we. Obey him to the end. Jesus is their model, and Jesus is our model, which is the word of God. Now when it says, work out your own salvation, Paul does not mean that the Christians at Philippi must work to earn their salvation. He did not mean that at all. He's running to those who are Christians already. So they already know Christ's salvation. Okay? It was theirs as a free gift from God, like it tells us in Ephesians 2.8. Paul's word that we have translated work out comes in the works of Strabo. He was the Greek who lived in the days of Jesus. Strabo describes how the Romans worked out the great silver mines of Spain. Okay, In other words, they were getting all the silver they could from the mines. So Christians must work hard to get all the wonderful riches that their salvation in Christ has for them. With fear and trembling. This does not mean the terror of a slave in front of a cruel taskmaster. Okay? It means the honor that we should give to our holy and powerful God. In verse 13, God's loving purpose is that Christians should become mature in their faith. They should become more and more like hope. Like Jesus, amen. And that's the whole goal, is to become like Christ. Ephesians 4.13. But Christians need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in them. That's something that God doesn't force onto us. We must allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Christians are responsible to work with God. How many of us have that fight? The Spirit and the flesh, Spirit and the flesh. Paul was trying to say, remember we read it in Romans 7, I want to do the right thing, I find myself doing the wrong thing. I love God's word with all my heart, but there's something else in me that just, just wants to disobey it and do things its own way. He wasn't the only one struggling, I know I struggle with it, how about you? We want to do the right thing, but there's something else in us that just makes us go wrong. We can't even figure it out. Paul said, it's sin that lives in me that does it. So we have like an organism inside of us, this sin nature in us that comes up and disrupts us when we're trying to do God's will. While you're praying, while you're in church, right? trying to find out what's wrong with everybody instead of what's right. That's what? The spirit of the enemy working through our minds instead of the spirit of Christ saying, hey, you know what? It's all good in the spirit. When I come through them doors in the spirit, Everyone's good. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone struggling, it's all good. We suffer for the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter whether we're getting glorified, whether we're suffering. We all do it for his name and his glory, amen? It's all about him, not us. Okay. Now, how to show the Christian's faith to the world? Now, we're going to read verses 14 to 18, okay? Is everybody with me so far on this? Very good, isn't it? To understand these scriptures. Now, when I say this, okay, 
don't throw anything at me because it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit talking to us because this is something that all of us still do. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Ouch. Everything. Can we honestly say, as Christians walking in this world for a long period of time, that we don't complain and argue still? Does anybody have the arrogance to raise their hand and say that they don't do that? He says to do everything without cleaning. Now, why is he saying that? Why is he saying that? The Bible's going to tell us why. I'll tell you why, because we're selfish. That's why. But the Bible has a different definition of it. Why is it important for a Christian not to complain and argue? And this is why the Bible says it's so important to live the way God tells us. Why? So that no one can criticize you. See, the unbelieving world criticizes us. They see us complaining, griping, and arguing just like them. and say, what's the difference? What do I got to go to church for? We're doing the same things we're doing. What's different about you? It says, look, so no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. You see, living a clean, innocent life proves that we're children of God. That's the proof that we're children of God. If we're living dirty, evil lives, that means we're children of the devil. That's just what it means. So it says live clean, innocent lives to prove that you're a child of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Written 2,000 so years ago. Just imagine how much it is now. How much darker, and right now, can we shine Right now in this world, how crooked and perverse everybody's thinking is right now. How we can shine so bright right now if we just obey the word of God, trust God, and not try to do things our way. Do things his way. Do everything without complaining and arguing so we can shine like a bright light in this world because it's dark out there right now. The devil has people in a trap so deep we should pray. Especially for America, how far away it's wandered from the word of God. That God would wake us up. And he's trying. He's trying. And it's up to us to keep waking people up. Listen, today's the day of salvation. You know, and they're not promised another day when you walk out these doors. It's important to talk to our family, our co-workers, strangers. It doesn't matter about Jesus and what he can do in your life and change you. Like he changed me. Like he's changing you. Tell people about it. The time is right. Right now is the ripest time you can mention Jesus. And if they hiss at you, because you don't listen. If you don't have Jesus, you already have the devil by default. If somebody you mention Jesus, somebody started hissing at you, it's because they're possessed. They already have the devil in them. You know there's people out there. You can't tell them. You can mention anything else but Jesus. You mention that name because that's the ultimate truth. People start, so don't talk to me about that religious stuff. You can talk about Buddha, Muhammad, anybody else, even the devil, but you can't talk about Jesus, the truth. Because the truth is what sets us free, and the devil has him in bondage, so we don't want him to hear it. But does that mean we don't do it? No. The name has to be mentioned, Jesus. Not just God, it's Jesus. He's the name above all names, amen? A lot of people claim they have God, but you can't have God without Jesus. And you can't have God without the Holy Spirit. 
Those three are one. And if you do have a God without them, the other two, it's the God of this world, and it's a counterfeit God. And that's what the world is worshiping right now. The counterfeit God of the world. Trying to take the place of Jesus Christ. And we're trying to raise them up. They're trying to tear them out. Big amen here, right? Okay. Okay, now verse 14. I'm going to read it again. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. That book in your hand, it says to hold firmly to it. See it? Hold that firmly. Let it penetrate your heart. Hold firmly to the word of life. Even on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Any pastor who's been called by God wants to see the people get and glorify God. So the work that he done, spends all his life doing is not in vain. Now look what it says in verse 17. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Imagine his whole life just like pouring it right out to God. Here, Lord, take it, every ounce of me. Just like your faithful servants, listen, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. Is it always about money? No. Your time is a faithful service to God. You see it? It says, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. When we decide to serve God and put ourselves aside, that is what God is saying. It's a faithful service, and that is an offering to God. Let it be a living and holy sacrifice. That is truly the way to worship him, amen? Not just throwing money in the basket and going on your way. It's giving him your time, your talent. So we can bring others into the kingdom, amen? Because if it wasn't for somebody that told you about Jesus, you wouldn't be here either. You have to say, well, somebody told me about him, so maybe I should tell somebody about him. You know, like play it forward. We're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. Most Christians get pregnant with the word of God and everything, and end up finding themselves miserable because they never give birth. Amen. They never go tell others about it. They keep it to themselves, and they become miserable Christians. Should there be a miserable Christian? Never. Should never be. You want to be joyous? He says, do my will, and you see all the joy you ever need. When you're doing your will, there will be no joy. You're going to have misery and complaining and arguing all over again. He said, when you decide to serve me, that's when it starts to happen. That's when you're free from yourself. See, here's the thing. Most of us don't think that we're the problem. We put the problem on people, places, and other things. The problem is in our heart. We have a heart condition. And Jesus has given us a heart transplant. He's given us a brand new heart. The very heart of God. And the only way it's going to keep beating is the word of God keeps the new heart beating. That is the anti-rejection medicine for the new heart. So when you shut the Bible, the old heart comes back and the new heart gets put aside until you open the Bible again and bring life to your new spiritual heart. See what I mean? That's why the Bible has to always be open for a Christian. Whenever you shut it, it's like unplugging your phone or unplugging something, unplugging the light. The lights go out. Big amen there, right? Now look what it says. 
And I want you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Oh, I love this. This is an awesome scripture. Isn't Philippians too good? The whole book of Philippians is awesome. We're studying it now. It's beautiful. You should jump on the website if you, if you don't have a chance to come out. It's awesome, okay? In verse 16, okay, is we're going to say, live like children of God who are not guilty, are words that Paul used from the Greek translation, okay? Unlike the complaining Israelites, the Christians of Philippi are true children of God, okay? Therefore, they must show that they are suitable to serve God. Okay? That is like an animal sacrifice that must be perfect in Leviticus 1.10, all right? Back then it was animal sacrifice. Now we're a living sacrifice, but it has to be what? Blemish-free. Get it? That's what he's talking about. Your new spiritual life has to show up, which has no sin in it. Do you know that your new spirit has no sin in it? You have no sin nature in the spirit. Why? Because it's all motivated by love. When you love somebody, you're not hurting them. You're not talking about them. You're not stealing from them. You're not committing adultery because you love them. That's what he's trying to say. Love fulfills the law. 1 Corinthians 13 love, right? When you tell somebody in the world you love them, there's conditions attached to it. God's love for us is unconditional. No matter how you acted, how you didn't do this, how you didn't do that, God forgives you and loves you unconditionally. And he says, you go and do likewise to your brothers and sisters. Every day you get up, you develop a holy amnesia and forget what happened to you yesterday. Because resentment will kill your spiritual life. If you have resentment in your heart, you can't have the heart of God in you. It has to go. You have to be able to forgive just like God has cried through Christ has forgiven you. And we all know how hard that is when somebody has hurt us deeply, to forgive them. But it must be done for us to experience the peace and joy that comes through the word of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome, right? All right, let's go to verse 19 now. Let's keep going here. I'm going to finish this testimony. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. What cheers somebody up? To see how the church gets along. No division, no strife. Do Look, look what it says. I have no one else like Timothy who generally cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not what matters to Jesus Christ. So he's trying to tell us right here, there's a lot of Christians that still only care for themselves and not what matters to Jesus. You see it? But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served me with, in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you soon as I find out what's going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. He said, the Lord's going to get me out of this. He, I know he's not done with me yet. Paul was awesome. I mean, he went to a lot to serve the Lord. Believe me, when you really want to serve the Lord and your heart is right, you're going to go through a lot down here. A lot of suffering and persecution. But you do it to glorify God. Amen? And you do it in the power of God. And right, in verse 19, Paul was eager to hear the news about the Christians at Philippi because he wasn't with them. Okay? In verse 21, 
by all the other people. Paul may mean that those were selfish, or he may mean those who were preaching for the wrong reasons. A lot of that going on out there. Paul will need to find out whether the Christians of Philippi were growing in their faith. If necessary, his messenger must give them help. He must show genuine sympathy. So that's what it is, okay? Let's go to verse 25 to 30 now. But I thought that it was necessary to send back our brother Epaphroditus to you. He has worked and fought by my side. He has brought me your messages. He has helped me on your behalf. He is eager to see you all. He is, the, he is very upset because of what you heard about him. You heard that he had been ill, okay? In fact, he was so ill that he nearly died. But God had pity on him. God had pity on me as well, so that I should not have one sad experience after another. See, God is full of grace and mercy, everybody. You know, just when you're ready to give up, he'll just, he'll just, he just wakes us up again with something. He takes us right to the edge, right? Just when you're ready to throw in the towel, boom, something good happens. He says, I got you, see? I got you back. And then we get rejuvenated all over again. We just never give up, you notice? They're still here. All the years of people suffering and doing going crazy, we're still here. We're still here. Thank you, Jesus. So all the stuff we go through, we know we could have walked away. But God gave us the power to keep going. That wasn't in our power. You know we give up easy when things don't go our way. When you're a Christian, you just keep going. Like the, like the Energizer Bunny, right? Keep going and going going and going. Even when you run out of power, the, the Lord Holy Spirit kicks in and gives us some more power. Endless supply of power. I don't know about you, but I run out all the time. He's saying, that's alright, I'll fill you up. Get on the pulpit. I'll fill you right up again. Brand new power. Resurrection power. Amen? Alright. Now, in verse, all right, so necessary to send back. All right, verse 28. Therefore, I'm more eager to send him back to you. He risked his life in order to give me help. He gave me the help that you yourselves could not give me. Big amen there, right? Listen, you make a decision to serve the Lord, he will take care of you. He sure will. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The proof is in the Bible. All the people that went through everything, they're all sitting with God in glory right now. This is not our permanent home. We're just passing through. And the Bible gives us the strength we need to keep going. Just when things seem like they're not going well, the Bible gives us the strength and the power to keep going. But you've got to keep reading the Word of God. Amen? Amen. It's very important. Okay, we're going to stop there this morning. Thank you for letting me share that with you. God is good. Amen? We're going to send the ushers up to collect, the service, uh, to collect and we're going to get, stand up and sing. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. That's what give me the answer. It's all the Lord. God is good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song.